You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 344th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in the city beautiful Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt. I'm just riding. Oh, ugh, it's a gnat in my mouth in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's pretty gross for an intro. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, that's uh, what it's like. This is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. And despite little guy's terrible intro... Um, that threatens to there's, derail the entire show before we've even gotten going. There, there's a lot of commitment to that bit, uh, Spencer. I don't know if you noticed, but he did put his uh, hand into his mouth to pull the imaginary gnat out of it. Yeah, well, it might have been real. Um, it could have been real. That's what I went on a ride today. I ate a lot of gnats. I don't think I'm vegan anymore, you guys. Yeah, well, it's good protein. Yeah, I didn't um, eat any food. You know, guys, I um, I had some unfortunate news today. I uh, found out my credit card is expired okay but um, how did you find that out yeah. you tried to log into gcn oh, it's like nope <laughs> funny you should say fortunately i found out because i got an email about it like alerting me to it that um unfortunately that email was from zwift um saying that uh you know they couldn't process my account um oh. fortunately i think this is going to get me out of zwift you guys good job yes. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do wonder, like, Zwift's numbers have to be going down now, now that the pandemic is 100% over. 100%? Completely I, over. Let's not say 100%. Yeah, maybe that in Florida. Like <laughs> making a deal with the devil it, when we say it, that. It never happened here. So <laughs> sad. Know. Oh, man, I can't wait for the world to totally um, yeah. get over this. Uh, so but. I'm wondering, you know, does this mean I have to ride outside, or should I give Zwift my new updated credit card info i don't know definitely I'm, not i'm gonna have to get like a poll going on the twitter account or something because i'm not sure what well, let I me do. well allow me to check the roster for our premium lap uh nope spencer you do not need to <laughs> re-up your zwift membership everything is good okay uh, perfect <laughs> um guys there is so much to discuss all three of us have something exciting to talk about we have of course uci mountain bike world cup weekend we have the Juro, about a week of Juro talk, mm-hmm. and we have the Slow Ride Podcast Collective Top 5 Bike Race Trobro <laughs> Leone um, was this weekend. I, I think it's up there. I think that if collectively we were going to vote, Trobro Leone's probably in the top three uh, for all of us, like just from beauty aspect. And so I think we should go into the Trobro Leone, but stick with the show. There is so much to discuss. Uh, we got an email nomination for the championship belt. Uh, that we're going to get to. So Trobo Leone comes, mm. and it went today. Um, it did finish with victory uh, to Connor Swift, the British rider for Team Arkea. Um, I've always been a fan of Connor Swift because, as you guys know, Swift Cycle, my bike shop in Gainesville, Florida, um, yes. was kind of around when Connor Swift was just coming to. Now, I don't know if you watched the race today and the finish that was on GCN. Ah, uh, there is a very 
long, tense moment in the Archaea camp as all the riders were crowding around Connor Swift, wondering if he celebrated a little too early on the finish line. <laughs> yeah. When Piet Alleghere of Cofidis threw his bike along with Baptiste Plankart. And Harry's oh man, cycling. he barely won, but congratulations to Connor Swift. He didn't take home the pig, but he did do quite well. Yeah. It is impressive that um, you guys named your bike shop after Connor Swift and not Ben Swift. And not Ben Swift, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's, a, it's a notable thing, and it's a deep cut, and I think the, uh, all our UK listeners will really appreciate you guys' uh, dedication to the, to the sport. So I think that, yes, Connor Swift, way cooler than Ben Swift after winning Tro Broleon. <laughs> let's, get, let's get rid of the idea that he almost... Bettini Zabel mess up here on the uh, the finish line. How heartbroken would or Oscar Ferrer? I don't know which you? one it was, but it it was bad. Like it was to the point that I was sitting there. I have a tweet that I put on the Slow Ride account, which it was just like, "Oh, Connor." Like I was like, <laughs> "Oh no!" Like seriously, are we at this point in our lives where it's 2021? Mm-hmm. We have all seen numerous bike throw mm-hmm. over people celebrating in court, including. The the banner photo on the Slow Ride Twitter account, which is Philippe posting up too early yep. over Walt Van Art. Um, no. I just, it's just one of these things that just don't do it. But Trobro Leone is such a wonderful, magical race. Um, it is baby Roubaix. I love always how windy it is. I love that it is grass. It is not cobbles. It's just kind of dirt roads. Yep. It feels like kind of a really bad um, little guy racing team ride where you take a couple wrong turns and next thing you know you're you're on a road that just has a bridge that's out and you got to kind of crawl over like it just it's awesome it's such a great race best posters in the business that's little guy true. were you or and spencer did either of you guys were you able to watch the race today at all a uh, little bit of it i didn't get to watch all of it so, no. so it it was a good race not like gilbert made an appearance that was really cool um he he did get second once in his life at Trobroleon, Gilbert, uh, something like 13 years ago or 18 years ago or something ridiculous. Yeah. That was cool to see. I think what was my favorite part, though, was just seeing all of the kits. So it's the first kind of pro-continental race that I've watched of the year. Um, and you know what? I got to be totally honest. That Uno, Uno X kit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is really awesome. That team, really awesome. And the announcers were talking about that they're going to have a women's world tour team next year. Oh, okay. And they're actually going to have a women's world tour team before they go to world tour for men. But they're like, they're all in to go to like a men's world tour team, like a Norwegian based team that is mostly Norwegian riders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I love it. I love the team kit. I think everything <laughs> about it looks pretty awesome. They have like a cool helmet that's kind of got a weird X on it. And seeing that combined with some of the other kits in the race, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Fantastic. Love this race. It was great. Um, You know what I was excited about for this edition of Trober Leon is that we're seeing a lot more interest from the big teams. You know, like EF Education First was there. That's the first time they've been at this race. Like, Yeah. And I think, you know, forever this race has deserved that kind of attention. It just it isn't that level of race and, and you know, it's, it's really for the more continental teams. And 
which is exciting to see. You see guys that you're not used to seeing fighting it out, and uh, that's kind of where you learn where the up-and-comers are coming. Um, my favorite up-and-comer that I saw from one of the big teams um, that finished the race looks down here in 39th. Good friend of the pod, uh, Mitch Docker, um, finishing so, for Education First in 39th. Awesome to see. I did... St- it was absolutely awesome to see. I would love to hear from Mitch Docker about Trobo Leone. Maybe he'll do one of his podcasts on the race. I have to admit, though, a little disappointed in uh, Lachlan Morton. I thought that this would be right up like one of the Morton brothers. Like, it's not very you know, and maybe, you know, yeah, true. But it's you know, it's just just like, did he have a handlebar bag on? Like, I like I kind of want to see the whole thing. Like, did they were they wearing oh, yeah. like a button down like Rafa jersey that was like kind of. Yeah, they had they buttons on it. Or or cotton linen. Yeah, yeah, it would have been great. Oh, um, this would have I, been the the race for the um for the tech tees there from Rafa. Yeah, yeah. I got to admit, tech when tees. I what was watching, <laughs> I um, I I was super confused. I saw the pink jerseys of EF. Oh yeah, and my yeah. my brain had already switched over to the Giro jerseys, <laughs> and two races at the same time with a team with different jerseys made me very confused. I was like, who's that pink team? And it took me a while to remember <laughs> that's EF. That's the color they've been, you know? It, yeah. was, it was weird. It's hard to hold uh, two things it, in my brain at once. Yeah. That's what, it was I, – I liked seeing the big teams in there, and I liked also that they didn't uh, sweep the floor with everyone. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's Frenchies still I think that it, that's yeah. – like, it was cool because you could see, like, the – Teams are there. Like, props to Education First for showing up. But Kofidis came to play. OG2R, AG2R obviously brought a team. FDJ was there. Yeah, like, but what's cool about it is that Rally Cycling was there and, like, in the front group, like, at times. So you're like, oh, who's the Uskatel? Oh, wait, that's not Uskatel. That's Rally. You know, Mm -hmm. like, that was really cool. (laughs) Um, It just, they didn't wipe the floor. You're right, Spencer. Like, I think that it was just kind of a, it was just overall a great race. And then you're like, oh, what's this beat team or beat cycling? Cool looking kit. I don't know much about it. And then you also had the uh, the uh, St. Michelle Aubert 93 mm-hmm. team. You know, like we've talked, they've invited us in their team car. Yeah, I was just um, going to say. If, uh, if we've ever make it over there. Wanted um, to give it we a, have a shout a out to them. Uh, almost securing that 16th place there in 15th. Uh, with Romain Cardi's uh, St. Michael uh, Aubert so, 93. Overall, it was a it was a good race. Love it. The only thing that would make Trobro Leon better, obviously, is a women's edition. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they can uh, work that around. But uh, look it up. It's always fun. Uh, I love it. Um, but let's get, uh, I think, into the next, the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the race. Uh, weekend coverage for us is going to be on the Giro. Um, lots to discuss throughout the week. I don't yeah. know how you guys want to do it. Like we don't need to go by stage, but I think we should talk highlights. So one of the highlights is, um, uh, apparently the, a, a quick step rider got run over by a car. I remember watching that, like it was on my side screen at work mm-hmm. and I look over and it's a replay and it's, uh, the bike exchange car. Yeah. Uh, they must've thought it was Michael Matthews, but it said it was a quick step rider. <laughs> And, and the team, the team, dri- the team director. So apparently they were trying to get a jacket from the commissaire's car back in. So the commissaire's car received the jacket from one of their riders. Cause of course you can't litter. You can't put jackets on the roads. So right. They're yeah. doing a handoff. The driver is going up a mountain at five miles an hour. And is like kind of looking over his shoulder to make sure that his mechanic can reach over and grab the, the jacket for the old 
one-two handoff. As he's looking over, this quick step guy just like gets dropped from the group and totally just gets slammed from behind. Horrible crash. It's like, bad. Ugh. And and here they are banging bang, banning super tucks. Right. And they can't figure out like why not just hand the jacket off at the end of the race or you know stop the cars. I don't know. But thank God he wasn't hurt too bad. He was able to finish, but oof. Brutal. It's a mess um, because, I mean, you hate to see that kind of accident happen um, for no real good reason, like you mentioned. But also, man, is that the worst way to get hit by a car on your bike? Like, not being prepared for it at all, not knowing it's coming, like, ugh. While getting dropped and knowing that that Patrick LaFerre is your team director and he's just going to be mad at you for getting hit? Uh, not even in that context, that. because I've never been dropped uh, in the Giro before. Um, but <laughs> just riding around town, the uh, probably the the greatest fear that I have is is just getting run into from behind with no yeah. warning. So I've been hit yeah. from behind. It's 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 frightening. You're just cruising along and suddenly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I can't imagine that That's is weird. very true. If you're talking about you guys are now sounding rational. Here I am, yeah, was just yeah, playing yeah, off, but. Yeah. Let's yeah, get into a serious time. discussion on this topic, um, Spencer. And you asked it in the Slack channel mm-hmm. um, in the Slow Ride Green Room. Can we expect retaliation from Team Quickstep yeah. to Bike Exchange? Yeah, I, I you know I thought it was a very real possibility. Um, we are in Italy. It is the land of the uh, mafioso. Retaliation is just a thing that happens. It's part of culture. Um, I think it's tied in somehow to the Giro um, and the way the rules work. Not totally sure on that. I'll have to brush up. But, um, yeah, I was expecting maybe Bling needed to be, uh, you know, in protective services. Um, They need to watch him carefully to make sure, um, you know, he doesn't get the old uh, Silka pump in the spokes. Yeah. uh, Because that would be unfortunate. Um, Well, they've been – Bike Exchange has done a good job of making Simon Yates invisible so far in this race. Maybe so that's who they're protecting. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's yeah. why. Maybe he mm. was going to attack this first week, but he's decided to put a cloak of of invisibility you know, over himself so he can just hide out. He's ninth, but he I haven't seen him, and I bet Quickstep <laughs> hasn't been able to find him either. No, I, I think um, I think we are past the um, statue of limitations on this one. I don't think Quickstep is going to retaliate at this point. But um, it's probably still a good idea for uh, bike exchange to keep their head on a swivel, um, just yeah. in general for that retaliation, but also when driving their uh, team car. I mean, they—I assume they've all seen—they've seen breaking away at some point. Simon Yates is going to say hello to one of the Italian riders, and suddenly he'll have a frame pump, and he'll know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. So throughout this week, um, I guess just other highlights. Um, Sagan has, well, I get, let me, the reason I'm bringing up Peter Sagan is that I started following on Instagram, the Velon Instagram account. Yeah. Um, I remember Spencer, you've recommended this. I have other friends recommend. I finally got on there and great videos, great on the bike. Peter Sagan, I have gone on the record of not being like the biggest fan. I not like for any real reason other than like his childish behavior from when he was on liquid gas and you know, when he was a child, uh, uh, harassing the uh the podium uh um attendance and kind of that whole thing 
But after watching some of the videos and just seeing the one today where he, or it was like a couple days ago where he gave the wheel to Caleb Ewing, like that was pretty cool. Like the, it's a video of on the bike camera and you see him tap on Caleb Ewing's wheel and like say like, oh, move over, like go ahead. Cause I know you need to move up. Like it was very like gentlemanly. Like, yeah. it, cause I liked it when Sagan won worlds, but I liked that because everyone else liked it and I didn't want to be the one person <laughs> paddling upstream. And I was like, and I, and I liked how he celebrated. Yeah. Cause it, the collective moment of Sagan, we've talked about it. Like when the whole, when thousands of people watching that screen at Libby Hill, see the camera pan back and you saw the big gap and then everyone starts cheering in excitement. We were into that. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he celebrates by throwing his bike when he walks across the line, throwing his helmet. His helmet still hasn't landed yet. Yeah. Um, but I am, I'm kind of just like, eh, you know, the hair and just like everything about kind of bothered me. Now I'm kind of into him again. I think he's just, he's oh, kind of taking the Cavendish <laughs> role, like where now he's just kind of old and you're like, okay, he's probably got one grand tour win left in his, in his legs maybe. You know, like not that many more, like maybe one more green jersey run or something. You know, I don't know. It's- you are setting him up to have the best year, the best 2021 he's ever, like of anyone. Yeah. Let's yeah. not gonna forget be amazing. that Worlds this year is in Flanders, Tim. Kind of kind of perfect Sagan fourth world championship hunting territory. Oh, the dream. That's a good point, Logan. I didn't even think that. But, I mean, it is kind of a shame that like, I mean, it's not really a shame. Peter Sagan was the first ever Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt holder from when we started it. Um, wow. That was a while ago then. Cause a long time ago. Been off of off the goodness for a while. <laughs> it, it's just something to go on, and, and we'll, we'll get to that uh, momentarily. Yeah. But I thought that was cool. And then the other thing that has stuck out to me, well, you had Caleb Ewan with a couple wins, and then you had Stage 9, you had the final 3K or whatever on the gravel road, and oh, Bernal yeah, looked tunnel, like the yeah. real deal. Um, it was cool. I put on the slow ride pod that like my favorite part about it was knowing that TJ Van Garderen was having to do a gravel stage finish like on the top of a mountain. Because yeah. someone finish? should interview him and see how he feels about these types of stages. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be curious to um, know. Uh, that was cool to see. Bernal's probably going to just win this thing, right? Is that where you guys are at on this? I mean, he looked pretty uh, dominant today. You Oof. know, he looks really good, but, man, so they've had two real GC days so far. They had stage nine, and it was, what, like stage six was also kind of GC-ish. Bernal does look really good, but I'm I'm impressed with Ciccone. Okay. I f- yeah. Didn't I thought he was the third option for Trek, and he's looking really good. He's in fourth currently. I don't know. I feel like I don't know if he can match Bernal right now, but he's Italian. They like to put the fix in and mm-hmm. see all the Italian writers ganging up if he's close enough and making <laughs> it happen. Wow, we're really just going with all the stereotypes of Italian we are, writers. But I mean, like, like there's many, a, there's many a cycling tale from the '80s and the '90s of of the organizers making it. Uh, possible for Italian riders to win by canceling stages and like <laughs> riders ganging so, up. So there's a history of that. But yes, Bernal does look really good. But there's a he, lot of racing left. He, there is. I'm not. Yeah, but he's also a Grand Tour winner. I think that's the thing that sets it apart is that he did win the Tour de France. So it's not like he's a a one off. Yeah. Like he's he's got a whole team behind him. Um, yeah. I just. I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Like so, currently, Evan Pohl's second, Vlasov is third, and Ciccone 
is fourth, and then Volter is fifth, and none of those guys have ever finished Did, high up in a GC, like in GC in a Grand Tour. And then you get down mm-hmm. to Carthy, Carthy, Caruso, mm-hmm. Martin, Yates, Formula, like guys who've actually like finished these things in top tens and like podiums yeah. and stuff. So it, it's a little weird right now to look at at guys like Evan Pohl and Vlasov and Chikoni as so, like threats because we haven't actually seen them sustain three weeks of form before. So like, it's a lot of question marks in that group of riders but one of them could be the breakout rider of this race like i'm not giving evan pole a lot of credit but he's been there so far he's been and he's been keeping his powder dry which i've been impressed with like because he doesn't have anything to shoot um bernal <laughs> though he's 15 bernal, seconds the, down on gc okay after sure stages. Do you, you, gotta have do you know who the luckiest something. those guys are lucky because uh-huh. of the tragedy that happened on stage um was it five or six when Lan- landa yeah, left five. the race in a yeah. horrible fashion, uh, crashing with Joe Dombrowski, who we'll talk about momentarily. Um, I don't know if I saw some videos of this crash. These guys are screaming down the hill, and they run into the like the um, commissaire or the the motor moto rider that goes ahead to like flag the traffic islands mm-hmm. as they come around. Um, horrible crash. So Landa had to go off to a hospital. Dombrowski finishes down, finished the stage. And then I think he pulled out, um, due to concussion Concussion. symptoms, but you know, Joe Dombrowski winning an amazing stage, stage four. It was fantastic to see. I loved every second of that, um, way to do it. Uh, you know, the last, uh, American grand tour stage winner to win, I believe was Michael Woods. So, um, (laughs) awesome to see, uh, him, uh, Dan Martin, Dan Martin. All right. One of the two. Um, yeah, one one of the two. But let's let's go into uh, the one that did uh, capture the hearts and minds, and it was on the Monday stage, I believe, or Tuesday yeah. stage, right when the podcast came out. And that, of course, was friend of the podcast, one of our favorites, Taco Vanderhorn, uh, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. the win on stage three in an epic breakaway where he was looked like he was going to get caught, and he did a counterattack, and he stayed away. Great yeah. post-race interviews. He was swearing left and right because he just couldn't fucking <laughs> believe it. He didn't know yeah. what was going to happen. He's like, I kept looking around with 150 go, and he's like, I can't fucking believe this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Uh, uh, put the explicit rating on that. But that was from Taco Vanderhorn's mouth itself. It was a magical moment, and I don't think one person in the world was against him winning. Right. Especially when you read more about him and his time on like the continental tours and almost hanging it all up, and yeah. here he is winning a grant. He's not even in a contract next year, and he just won a a Juro stage, an yeah. epic force portion. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even have a contract with uh, his team until December. You know, like he got picked up off a, an even lesser team. Like it's a great story, and he's a rider that we've always enjoyed um, back from his what was it Room Pot days. Um, yeah, and so battling, we'll, battling that with Wilds, it things like Trobro and all the second tier, cool yeah. classics. So, and so, and, what was the reason why we like him? There's the name, but that well, wasn't he, the main one to me. It was the does, handlebars, right? No, 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 no. He lives out of a, a VW camper van. That's right. That's yeah. right. He's the camper van guy. That's well, that makes the story even more magical. Not the, anymore. He's the third he's spoke a, on the on the tri spoke of uh, power between me, little guy, and Taco Vanderhorn. <laughs> Is that how it yeah. works? I like it. Yeah. That's a he's not spoke. he's not living in a van again anymore after winning that stage. You know, it's like oh, I'm so proud of him. It was so cool to see, and everyone. That was like one of those positive moments on Twitter that you're like, oh, for like five minutes, the whole feed is just nothing but like fantastic <laughs> news. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden someone's like, you're like, oh, there goes my day again. But it was great to see. So that did lead to an email that we got from friend of the pod, um, Leo Black Label in Minneapolis. It says, dear Slow Ride Podcast, I'm even less sure than you are how the Slow Ride Pod Belt is awarded or how you manage the procedure and process of checking the greatest cycling in the world right now. But I nominate Taco Vanderhorn for his outstanding solo win on stage three of the Giro. I love a long breakaway, long shot breakaway, but what really set him apart is as absolutely shocked and thrilled he was when he realized he was taking the stage at the Giro, his Mm -hmm. goofy gangly arms out, (laughs) slapping his hand (laughs) over his mouth to cover the biggest smile. So perfect. Thank you for your consideration. So, gentlemen, here we are in episode 344, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a nomination for Taco Vanderhorn to take the Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt. And as we have talked about before, um, this belt is about who is winning cycling at the moment. Who is the who's, who's the, the hero? Winner? Who's the hero we and, need? And last Wednesday or Tuesday, it was Taco Vanderhorn. All right. Yes. Yeah. I'll and of course, for sure. of course, this needs to be unanimous. Um, and yeah, if he, if he didn't drive a camper van, uh, that was a VW as well. That's an important thing to note. I I don't know how I would feel about it, but since he does, I am all in supporting this. And um, I, I I long may he reign. I think this is great. So he's going up against Michael Gogol. The Austrian superhero that got like a top five at Strada Bianchi um, from episode 335. So it's a solid run of about two months for Michael Gogol. He has not come on the podcast. So unfortunately, that is a um, that's a that's a knock. If anyone knows Taco Vanderhorn, um, if you see him out at like a campsite, uh, see him in the the far uh, right lane of the Autobahn um, in that camper van, uh, just (laughs) let him know we'd love to talk to him but right now i little guy you're the one to go is oh, it unanimous no i unanimous you just gave me nightmares though the idea of trying to drive a van again or a old vw bus on the autobahn that sounds horrifying that sounds so scary. here we have it we have taco vanderhorn uh winning the belt uh just a reminder that in episode 337 um uh, Borghini has the women's championship belt. So uh, good stuff across the board. I think overall the Giro right now is shaping up to be um, an okay Grand Tour. I watch it. It is not... Well, the, the, hear me out. It, <laughs> right. it's, it's got a little bit of the the dumb Tour de France in it, like where it's just kind of like the first week has been a little... Huh. It's like, okay, sure, there's great stages, but on whole... Nine stages in, there's been two that are good for TV, and one happened to be, and then like a third that happened to be a once in a kind of okay. decade mm. breakaway win. Well, like the gravel today was cool, right? Yeah, here's, but, here's what I, I would say. I think it's been really good because one, other than Caleb Ewing winning two stages and pulling a Cipollini and Balin to go home, and we've uh-huh. had we've had different winners every day, and and. I felt like the taco stage obviously had the great, like somehow they've made it work that we've had different winners. We haven't had predictable thing happen. We had taco didn't expect Joe Dombrowski winning on kind of a weird transition oh. stage. Uh, matter who got also a storyline who like lost the Perry stage to uh, Roglic this spring 
got redemption, got the big win, and then the dude from Kofidis it, winning in the breakaway. Like that that no, was it was cool. But it's it does. But little guy, when we get to the end of this, you're gonna score this thing a six or a seven because we're running down the the formulaic ASO style Tour de France. It's the truth. It's not <laughs> like I'm not trying to be a jerk. But what do you think? But you know, sometimes a friend. Well, sometimes a friend needs to tell you when you're wrong, and I'm gonna do it now. And here, <laughs> okay, here's okay. why: is that it just it's been a little too like, oh, here's the sprint stage. And granted, the that there's been a couple of wins that are cool. The Kofidis win, sure, solid shouts. There, as a whole, though, I'm not seeing the fireworks that I like. Now, maybe here's <laughs> why. Maybe here's why is that it started with a time trial, which is dumb. But you know, and that kind of leaves just a a sour taste in my mouth. Well, but that we. The first couple of days, if they're on a weekend, like I want to see some fireworks on my Saturday and Sundays of watching it, you know, they gave and you that today on Sunday, they gave it today and then we'll <laughs> see what happens. Obviously, um, stage 14 is what really matters to me in about one week time when they hit the Zonkalon. But, uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll keep with it. Um, so keep it's, listening to Slow Ride Podcast. This, and yeah, this tour is definitely very two and weeks, two and three have they hit the mountains a lot more. We've only had a yeah. little taste of, of the mountains so far. So it's, it's going to GC battle. It's going to heat up a lot. Now, do you guys have anything else from the, the Giro that you want to touch on um, before we get into the much needed uh, mountain bike conversation and some listener emails? Uh, I just want to note Morick crashed and uh, it was kind of a bad crash. He ended up at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Obviously, wish him the best for speedy recovery, but uh, he was not doing the super tuck when he crashed. I just want people to know. That's true. He invented it and he didn't crash doing it. Didn't crash doing it. So, very, very true. He probably is uh, better at descending in the super tuck. He probably would have been safer in the super tuck. Very true. And with that, let's call up our friends at the Witness Protection, where in hiding, Michael Matthews is trying to avoid the, the wrath of the quick step on this week's pre-mod. I'm Joe Dombrowski from Cannondale Drop Pack, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys, here we are in the preem lap. Let's get down and dirty. Let's get right to it. Mm. Of course, I'm talking about our good friends at Buckler Skin Care. Head over to bucklerskincare.com. Get your very own tub of the Miracle Wap chamois cream. It's fantastic. Just put in a second order myself for the year. I've been riding a lot, already over 4,000 miles for the year. Okay, I'm lying, but I'm on track for crossing 4,000 miles this year. Very proud of that. Um, I may mm-hmm. even cross 10,000 feet of elevation gained for the whole year. Um, things impressive. are going well, and it is made more enjoyable by Buckler Skin Care Miracle Wap Chamois Cream. So check it out, bucklerskincare.com. Yeah, get very, on that, folks, because if it's anything like in Minnesota, uh, the summer weather actually hit, and it becomes all the more important. Take mm-hmm. care of yourself out there on the bike when it gets hot out. So. Absolutely. And if chamois cream isn't your thing, but you still want to support this podcast, the best way you can do that is heading over to wideanglepodium.com and checking out the membership options we've got over there. You can support at whatever level you like. And when you're going through that checkout process, you can just uh, tick the box next to Slow Ride Podcast. And that means the uh, 
portion of your proceeds comes to us rather than um, getting spread out among everybody, <laughs> which we appreciate. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, if there's any other shows you like, like uh, maybe Criterium Nations, Tickling Your Fancy Lately, maybe Cycle Cross Radio, you can tick those boxes as well, and we'll gladly share with them. But, uh, you know, if you only tick one, that's okay. That, that is a good point. If you ever wanted to buy us a beer, give us a high five. Uh, it's a great way you can give some support. Um, we like to thank our donors from all over the world that contribute and yes. to help us out by buying us a beer every now and then. So thank you so much. It does mean a lot. The other way that you can uh, support us if you choose not to uh, go, go down the donation route is that we do have a store over there, including our limited edition Slow Ride podcast t-shirts from episode 300 Mm -hmm. so about six months ago there's still a few left um (laughs) we love it locally designed artists during the height of the pandemic we reached out to and uh they they earned every bit of what uh we were able to contribute and so we'd love to uh continue to pay it forward uh with the support of our episode 300 limited edition slow ride podcast t-shirts at wideanglepodium.com slash shop yes and uh, I, you know, not not for nothing, but the the little guy editions getting kind of low in quantity. The Spencer editions kind of kind of getting low in quantity. A lot of Tim's left, though. A lot of Tim's. So you want to support Tim? You know, plenty of options there. Yeah, that campy derailleur looks so good when you have it on a t-shirt. <laughs> they all look good. Um, yeah, don't sleep. Um, on it. They're it, not. We're not doing another printing. So if you no, we won't be doing one. another. When they're gone, they're gone. Well, we're trying to get. We're trying to. Here's the thing. Help us sell those shirts so we can make our limited edition slow ride podcast bike kit. Because let me tell you, we've got some great ideas that we saw this week <laughs> on Trobro Leon. But before we uh-huh, talk it. more about that, before we talk about UCI Mountain Bike World Cup. Mm-hmm. Quick shout out to our good friends over at Grimper Brothers. So head to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to find out more about the two great coffee blends made specifically for the Wide Angle Podium Network. And gentlemen, we've got some listener emails. We've got lots of things to talk about, including the Olympics. Hi, I'm Hugh Carthy from Education First Cross Cycling, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, guys, here we are back at the show. Absolutely stoked to be here. We got some great emails. We're going to roll right into the first one comes to us from Roger Lynn. Debate about beginner and intermediate training rides? Over the years, I have volunteered to help with training rides for groups, training for events like Bike MS or other charity events where you get a lot of riders who either haven't ridden in years or who simply want help getting back in shape. Usually, there are a few of us who are involved in putting these rides together, and either we split them up into groups like who is training for a certain distance or who's a beginner or people who are simply looking for saddle time and try to put rides together for all these groups. Well, this year, as often happens, we are in a debate of how best to run these rides. Some of us think every ride should have a purpose. Example would be this ride we will work on riding in a group. This ride we will work on climbing. This ride we will do a long ride and work on hydrating and fueling. Others are in the belief that we should just show up and make sure we don't lose anyone on the ride and be there (laughs) maybe to help out with mechanicals or anything beyond anything that's in that person's responsibility to gain knowledge of just wanted to see what you guys think. So Roger asked us uh, any continuous thanks and keep up the good work. 
what is the best way to help someone maybe, I guess, training, but I would, I would kind of extrapolate it further, like entry level, get someone in the game. What's the best way? Do you do like, Hey, we're, we're going to go on a climbing ride this week to get you trained for this big event. Or do you just get saddle time and just put it together? Man. Well, yeah, it's tough. It's tricky. It's tricky. So my, uh, instinct here is to, you know, if you say, Oh, this is going to be a climbing ride. You know, there's certainly going to be people, people that are like, "Ugh, that sounds hard. I don't want to do that. Um, that's what I would do, uh, if I was new to cycling, but at the same time, I think these folks know what they're signing up for and they, they know like, Oh, I got to do, I got to do a training ride. You know, I got to do something I wouldn't normally do. So I don't Mm -hmm. think you're going to have that motivation problem. Um, I think it's maybe the most critical, like you can convince them they're getting some good training in without actually doing hill repeats or whatever. Um, So I think it's maybe most critical to teach them group ride, riding in a group, riding etiquette, two by two, pointing out potholes, all that kind of good Samaritan riding um, under the guise of like, it's good training. And then sometimes you go do some hills and stuff because I think that's going to benefit them the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think you throw them in the deep end, you know, like, we, we, you, you and me, Spencer used to go on those virtual rides, and we were like lowly cat fours, probably still fives, but we would just fives, fives. We would just jump in that that a ride and just hang on for dear life. And if they had yep. fully expressed to us what the ride was going to be like, we probably would have been I, too scared to go. Absolutely, so it made sense to just I, sort of do it. I'm kind of a maybe a molding of the two in that. We should throw them into the deep end, but I think clear communication before the ride is what's important. I think that yes. there there is a lack of group rides that I go on where there is not the communication at the beginning where the person that isn't calling the ride just stands there and just says, hey, everybody, this is what we're doing today. So whatever mm-hmm. you decide, just be like, hey, you know what? This is the ride. We're going to do 24 mile an hour max, but we want to keep it above 20 if you're on the front and you pull through you know, in that 20 to 24 range. And if you can't pull through, stay at the back. Like you can kind of like communicate based on the level of, of person on the ride. I, I do want to thank individuals like Roger that are putting in the, the mm-hmm. yeoman's work to make cycling better by volunteering the time and helping people get through. Um, I think that often there's not enough people that kind of, they don't get the shine that they should as yeah. far as getting people and how to like, they are the gatekeepers on how to make rides safe for everybody further down the chain. If these people end up being stronger riders or whatnot. So, Mm -hmm. but I think just clear communication, but I am of the thought that it should just be do go do your pedals and go do your ride. And then you just say like, okay, this week we're going to go do this climb, but you're not doing like a specific climbing training ride. Like, it's just like, Oh, this is, we're gonna go do 60 miles today and there's going to be some climbs on it. And we're going to be averaging 18 miles an hour. And, but if you do go, no one don't go above 21. Well, I think, I think you're, you're spot on there with the communication bit. And, and that's what separates this kind of ride, um, from, you know, a group ride with your buddies. And I think a lot of maybe bigger rides have turned into that group ride with your buddies style where you just sort of expect everybody knows what the deal is. But if, if there's not a ride leader or somebody who stands up at the beginning and says, 
you know, this is a two by two ride. We're pulling through like pull on the front for 10, 15 seconds and then move off and rotate through. If you don't know what that means or you don't know how to do it or you don't want to do it, stay at the back, like set those expectations early so that you don't get somebody third wheel who's not pulling through or is letting gaps open or whatever. Cause they don't either, they don't know, or they don't want to uh, participate. Like it's fine to be on the ride. Just hang out at the back and don't mess it up for everybody. Um, yeah. And they'll, you'll learn just as much hanging out of the back as you will being on the front. Um, and, and you got to make it clear early on, if you are the rider sitting at the back, not taking the pulls and you win yeah. the town line sprint, you are a monster. <laughs> Let's yeah. just let's just say it. let's lay it out on there. You're so, the worst person. The um, worst. Also, also, and I want to make sure everybody knows this. We've always said this between the three of us. Shammy time is training time. So as That's long true. as they put the bibs on, they could stay at the coffee shop. They're still getting in. They're still getting some fitness. You're still, you're mm-hmm. still gaining a little fitness. It's just Residual. learning yeah. learning how to sit at the coffee shop in your kit and feel confident. And oh, I mean, get the hat on right. I mean, that's yeah. That's almost just as important. The Slow Ride Podcast has been going on for over seven years now, uh, gentlemen, at least. Maybe nine years. I think we started 2014, so seven years. Um, I would say that uh, probably 20 years ago when we first started riding together at this point, it it was pretty much the Slow Ride Podcast for the two-and-a-half-hour cafe stops that we would have. So um, (laughs) let's... uh, Let's continue on, uh, Roger. Thanks for the email. Um, best of luck uh, for the uh, the riders that you're giving into the game. The next email comes to us from Johanna Trappel. Austria wants the championship belt back sometime Uh-oh. soon in the future, hopefully. Dear Slow Ride Pod, thank you so much for the personal Beth birthday episode. Well, you're welcome. Johanna and her uh, husband, Helmut, contacted us for a great birthday message. It was awesome to speak to you both. Um, what a glorious time we had in with Austria winning the championship belt with Michael Gogol. When you look up our pro cycling stats, you will see you will have noticed that we're not so used to celebrating cy- cycling success beyond <laughs> G- George Toshnig uh, yeah, winning um, on Axe Three in 2005. Obviously, Lucas Postelberger in the Giro. Um, not so much, but. What is very important is that Johanna continues, I really enjoy listening to the pod, and only sometimes is she challenged when she talks about when we talk about the bike parts that she doesn't know anything about, but she has seven bikes in the family, in a family of four, and there's more and more bikes on the way. Here's nice. our question. There you go. One question to you. Do little Nairo and Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin, and little Hymar know that something like cartoons even exists. My sons, both four and one and a half, firmly believe that the TV only shows skiing in winter and cycling in summer. <laughs> they might be challenged small talking with other kids in kindergarten now that I mm-hmm. think about it. Only cycling cartoon cartoon I know of is the great is Triplets of Belleville. Yeah. And the one that and that one is clearly not suitable for small kids because of the French grannies killing frogs with dynamite. Maybe you know of some others. So I think what, uh, best greetings from Austria. Johanna, thank you so much for the email. I think that the question here is, how do we explain cycling being really the only thing that's ever on the TV for for little Tom Boone and Tom Boone and Heimar and uh, um, little Nairo? This is a great question. Little guy, why don't you start 
um, here with this one, and then uh, I'll give my, uh, my, my suggestions. Well, I've just sort of worked it in that bike racing is just on in the morning, and it's, it's separate from the screen time that Tamboon and Tamboon is allowed. So he, he gets his limited screen time to watch one of his few shows, and that's like mm-hmm. half hour a day, a couple times a week at this point. He's only four. Um, but the bike racing just happens. Like, So he might get an hour of bike racing in, in the morning. I so don't know if it actually is, is good is, for him. but Is he looking at the bike racing as like bonus screen time? Like this is a treat? This is extra? Or is he, uh, you know, kind of made to uh, see this, see <laughs> this mean, bike racing? In a sense, he's made to because it's often around breakfast time, <laughs> right? You know, uh-huh. So we're both home. I got his food. I got my food. Hey, got to watch the end of the Giro stage. He does seem to enjoy parts of it, though. I don't think he's fully following it, following it obviously, you know. But he, he likes the inflatable roadside um, like yeah. uh, sponsor okay. things, the giant water bottles. Uh, during the cross season, there's a lot of good inflatables at the races. He really <laughs> enjoys spotting those. He's also going to re- be he's going to be very way more familiar with uh Obscure European brands yeah. than any of his classes. <laughs> so that's the small talk that I think Johanna was talking about. Like, yeah. right? How do they? How do they going to interact? Um, you know, uh, little yeah. Heimar uh, already, uh, or and little Nairo going to school, always talking about plot points of American flyers and uh, yeah. <laughs> breaking away uh, would be one thing. Uh, what I have found interesting was it's not really the tv but i have gotten to this weird point so um little Heimar learned how to ride a bike at about two and a half and i know little guy your your boy um tambuna tambuna was was also very early because we yeah. capitalized on the strider bike um phenomenon and yeah. uh, other friends of the podcast have gone this way and now like my son when he's out and he sees other kids riding bikes that like have training wheels or something He's very quick to point out that his bike doesn't have training wheels. And he just sounds like the most just complete jerk. And he's not doing that on purpose. He's just like, oh, my bike only has two wheels, you know? And then the the parents look at me like, what did you do to your kid? Like, how is he already learning how to ride a bike? And I'm like, I don't know. I just yelled at him a bunch and kept pushing him (laughs) down hills without without brakes. But, I mean, it worked. And yeah. You just tell them you got to do those intervals or you can't come back in the house and they'll do the intervals. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, then I say like, you should see them ride rollers. Um, it's just, it's just kind of one of these things that I have noticed. That's just a little awkward. Like where it's, yeah. um, because you like, it's, it's, it's in the same vein as like, you know, what are you going to talk about on TV? If all they watch is bike racing, we'll try to talk to them about like how they can ride bikes and the other kids don't even like, Bikes are just like an afterthought, but, you know, working within the bike world and being part of the bike world for so many years, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like natural. I'm just stoked that he knows how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. So. I I would, uh, yeah, I don't have the experience of you two. Um, I don't have uh, any offspring, Um, but my suggestion is to just uh, get a DVD copy or get on Netflix or whatever and uh, just just keep that uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure on um, on the queue, you know. Um, bike related, very kid friendly, goofy. Get them excited about things, and then uh, once once they're into that, maybe 
Um, you know, if you can find a copy of Rad, uh, that yeah. should really solidify them with all their peers. They should be right up to speed. So the the one thing I have watched, non just watching races that's bike related with Tumbo and Tambooting, is this uh, BMX video I have from the 80s and watching clips of that. So, like, showing them old school flatland stuff from like 1989. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a very distorted view of the world. It's all yeah. it's all roadies yeah. and then mountain bike cross and then old school BMX because I don't yeah, that's care a gyro. to, live, to um, live in the oh gyro. No, we literally looked at how those work today. I yeah, was trying to explain them to him. So, um, well, very exciting times, um, guys. Before we get into the much anticipated UCI Mountain Bike World Cup, we have a slew of reviews that I want to get to. Just a quick shout. Um, obviously, it's been a little downhill. And, and our <laughs> listeners have come through. We've, we've got a couple of one stars where people were just kind of uh, taking the podcast to the woodshed. But, oh, then April 20th, 420 came around and we just got a <laughs> bunch. I'm going to go through them, huh. uh, maybe collectively, just uh, quick shout outs as we go. Uh, five stars from Toyota 91. Uh, definitely the worst. Five stars. Clearly, these guys have zero idea what they're talking about. Five stars. <laughs> highly recommend. Um, thank you. Uh, thank really, you. really yeah. help us in the algorithm. Um, <laughs> ooh, J bomb came in on four twenty twenty one. This guy had a really bad buzz. No longer a cycling show. I listen to every episode lately. It's been a chore to put up with the politics. I think I'm out. Well, see you later. J bomb. Everything's fine. Uh, AP <laughs> app Kaplan on four twenty. My favorite bike pod, the perfect mix of politics and cycling. Only thing to make it better would be a daily 10 minute companion pod to listen to between, NPR up first and NYT the daily. Oh, thank you. Like a daily nice. podcast of us for 10 minutes. Man. Woof. Yeah. If, Woof. If I, you know what? <laughs> I, I'd be could. joining J-Bomb and being out. Uh, <laughs> um, Too much. W, w Nick Die, uh, also on 420, like being on the group ride. This is my favorite podcast about politics in Minneapolis sightseeing. <laughs> Jokes aside, this is a fun pod that takes cycling as seriously as one should and funny enough to make me laugh while doing VO2 intervals on the trainer. Keep it up. Guys, things are coming around. Uh, April 23rd, Stinkball. Love the show, but five stars. I always have to wade through the cycling talk to get to the PC banter. Give me that banter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, That's great. Oh. Rob Rohde, as goofy as Lycra itself, five stars. We cyclists see ourselves as athletes dedicated to training, attacking, suffering, and epic rides. But in truth, most of us are weekend warriors dressed up like weird sup- suburban superheroes who play bikes. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah, this yeah. show is exactly what we need. Three goofballs who utter who embody both the heartfelt passion and utter silliness our sport deserves. Oh my goodness, you guys came through. Um thank you so much for the fantastic yes. five-star reviews <laughs> uh and one-star review. Thanks for all those that have put up with us just being normal human beings that have feelings on things and know what's right and what's wrong. So uh, I am proud to be uh, continuing this podcast and having uh, reviews yeah. like that definitely make my week. Yeah, but Very much appreciated. Uh, thank you all for supporting. If there's one thing that clearly we just learned in those reviews that people come to us for, it is expert bike knowledge and opinions. So of course, mm-hmm. let's get into the realm of the dirt. And of course, I'm talking about the UCI Mountain Bike World Cup this week. It yeah. was in the Czech Republic at Nova Mesto. 
for the cross country Olympics. Obviously a lot riding on this because we have 38 spots to the Olympics in both the men and women to be pretty much parsed out after this weekend's racing. 38 spots? There's only 38 spots. Even though 150 men towed the line, you have 38 spots. Um, Now, friend of the podcast, Bill Shiken, did a deep dive into how the the Olympic spots are dedicated on his Substack. Um, You should definitely go check that out if you want. Just head over to the CX Hairs Bulletin. And he does a deep dive on the 38 spots. So in short, two countries get three people each. And then I think four countries get two. So right there you have like 12 spots taken care of or, or however it works. Um, 14 spots. And then you have 21 spots for the remaining countries. They get one each. So America will get one in the men's, but three in the women's because we have more points. It's on the results that that ends. Uh, the results of this weekend. Now, here's the funny part is that Tom Pidcock, who won today, mm-hmm. even though he won and I believe is now the World Cup leader, mm-hmm. wasn't guaranteed a spot in the Olympics and it fell back as Hang Bill. On. Now, this this was a qualifying event for the Olympics and he won it. Yeah. And it's, he is not he is not no qualified. No, okay. because the reason that he qualified was because um, a gentleman by the name of Vlad Daskalu, who won the 2019 U23 World Championships for Romania, okay. finished, I believe today, in 17th place. He needed to finish above 24th place for Romania to leapfrog Slovakia, which then made okay. meant that Great Britain was going to get one of the leftover spots. So at the end of this very convoluted process, Spencer, that I am not going to be able to explain to you because it is like trying to (laughs) me to fix a derailleur. At the end of the day, nothing Tom Pitcock has done in the year of 2021 has really mattered. And the reason why is because he gets into the Olympics because in 2019, as Bill points out, at the... um, U20, U23 World Championships of 2019. Remember, 2020 didn't happen because of the right. Right. that uh, Fraser Clotier of Great Britain got 14th place. And that 14th place has secured Tom Pidcock with the very last available slot for the Olympics. Um, so not only does Tom Pidcock owe wow. a... Um, Major high five to Vlad Daskalou for getting uh, 17th in today's race to earn his spot in the Olympics. He, uh, at least as Bill puts it in his uh, substack, at least deserves a postcard to be sent to uh, Fraser Clotier of Great Britain from Tokyo, from the Olympic Village. Because if it wasn't for that performance in 2019, Tom Pidcock, uh. World Cup leader, World Cup winner, would not be in the Olympics I can't think of a more UCI thing than that. Right, right. So that is bananas. And I mean, I guess it makes sense because maybe Pitcock, you know, it doesn't isn't make sense. that good. Uh, maybe he just won kind of on a fluke or by a bike yeah. throw or something. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it was a tight race, right? It's it's so crazy. So tight. today tight. for the race wise, it was not a tight race. It was a wonderful race. He won by a ways over Matthew Vanderpool. 
But I think what's what's important and what you're kind of getting at is that he's extremely talented. He should have just been guaranteed a spot. My problem with the is the UCI or the Olympics or whoever it was just dictating an amount a mountain bike race at the Olympics of just 38 people when 150 towed the line today at a World Cup race. Henry Avicini, um, arguably one of the top racers in the world, I think finished, you know, barely in the top 20. I think he was, um, you know, he was down there. He was, uh, sorry, in 23rd place. So the point is, is that, you know, 38 is not a lot for an Olympic race. Um, but anyway, so he did make it. Pidcock absolutely slayed Matthew Vanderpool today. Although Matthew Vanderpool beat him in a, in a sprint on the Friday short track, Mm -hmm. but let's not forget what Tom Pidcock did last week when he wrote, started in row 11 and then he won today, just absolute dominance. And he already had a hell of a great season on the road and cyclocross. So, gentlemen, um, I'm going to nominate Tom Pidcock to become the Slow Ride Podcast champion, taking the belt from Taco Vanderhorn, who won this, who won the belt approximately 20 minutes ago on the podcast. I think it's a no-brainer. I don't think there needs to be even much argument about what Pitcock did and how he slayed the dragon of Matthew Vanderpool. This is all true. You make good points, Tim. This is all true. Wow, yeah. Man, I'm staring at the facts, and I I don't really want to face them. um, Yeah, I'm desperately trying to poke some holes in this theory, and I'm coming up a little short. Um. My my criteria is always somebody had a great performance, but also it was unexpected. Like you didn't foresee it. Like it wasn't yeah. a foregone conclusion. And it was um, fun and it was exciting, I think is something we put yeah. in there. Captivates I, the minds of a world. I do have to say that this this race and everything riding on it and the fact that he dominated so much and did it over Vanderpool in in Vanderpool style even um, yeah, is it's pretty flashy and at Vanderpool's like dominating like yeah. where his coming out party in the 2017 Mountain Bike World's Cup was at Nova Mestro yeah like and I, uh, what about the body you, of work from last week row 11 you know you, you no longer need to convince me yeah. I am unfortunately for our friend taco um I am gonna cast my vote uh in in affirmation of this nomination, awesome, uh, Leo. Sorry, things are not looking good. I know that your nomination for Taco was was well received. He deserved it. Um, the shortest reign in history. Taco Vanderhorn goes down as the William Henry Harrison of the <laughs> Slow Ride Podcast Championship belt. If little guy agrees unanimously, I will. I hate to take it away from a fellow, uh, probably broken VW owner, but um, I think Pidcock. So, I- Pitcock deserves it with what he's done. Je- it was a fantastic race. I oh, Again, yeah. I know that we've talked about this a lot. It's on RedBull.TV. It's free. It's fun. Check it out. I am 100% all in. The announcers could use a lot of help uh, and oh, a lot of work. Rob, I love how excited they are. They're like, <laughs> no, I, I the like lines. the excitement. I love Claudio's excitement, Rob Warner. I like the excitement. I don't like the complete 
like they were falling down into like the oh can Pidcock win the Tour de France conversation and then Claudio <laughs> got into the Claudio got yeah, in oh he's still Bart. Bart sorry sorry Claudio does the downhill again apologies Bart did the like oh well he's still too young you don't want him to go do that race and then he realized his mistake when he was like oh Pogacar did just win the Tour de France at 21 it's that like old school thought and then yeah, yeah. they're just talking about how um, and, and Bill over at CX Harris pointed this out too, that, you know, it's like they forget that women also race cyclocross because all they talk yeah. about is like, oh, these men cyclocross racers are the only ones that do it. And then you're like, uh, you know, like the current world champion has been a world champion in cyclocross as well on the women's side. That is, um, that's very true. There's just kind of this, like stay in your lane, like just keep the excitement, have some fun. If you don't know, like you don't know, like they clearly know about Pitcock because maybe it's because he speaks English. I don't know. There's just something <laughs> like they didn't talk about Matthew Vanderpool in a way that. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're, I think you're right. I think you're illuminating the reason I like them, which is that I feel like I know more than them. Okay. Yeah. Like, like you're, it's kind of the, they're the, uh, the editor. If you, I don't know. I just. No, it feels like when I, when the way they talk about the roadies specifically, I feel like is. It feels sort of like <laughs> you guys don't know what you're talking about. It's funny. You're I mean, gonna, you're going to see in about a lap uh, what, you know, like the, the same way they always, they treated Vanderpool early on in mountain biking of sort of like, well, uh, can he do it? And you're like, yeah, he's going to do it right about uh, now. <laughs> you know? You got, uh, Tim, I mean, I do have to take a little, I think they knew who Tom Pickcock was more than maybe Vanderpool because, you know, his helmet does say Red Bull that's on a, it. That's very true. Thank you for that shout. I was thinking a little bit about that when I said it. I just, the lack of awareness on Vanderpool, and that was three years ago, so maybe Vanderpool doing his thing has raised more uh, um, awareness for everybody that doesn't come up through traditional mountain bike channels. Maybe that's, you know, maybe it's a a learning lesson for all of us, including Bart and Rob. So that's cool. But, oh my goodness, it's, that, uh, I just want them to be better, but um, regardless, they did do a pretty good job of explaining the challenges with Pidcock. They did a good job of like talking about where this Vlad um, uh, rider from Romania was throughout. That was cool. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just fun to watch. And then let's not forget, and we'll talk about the women's race momentarily here, but the the racing on the Friday afternoon, is there a better 20-minute break from the workday than a Friday afternoon short track race? <laughs> no, there's not. Like, it's it's great. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, you would you would think um, those guys would actually know something about the women's cyclocross racers as well because EV and PFP are also both yeah. Red Bull athletes. But I, di- I, <laughs> I digress. There goes, there goes a hole in that argument, Spencer. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. So let's talk about the women's side of things. On Friday, it got off to a hell of a great start with uh, American uh, Haley Batten taking the mm-hmm. victory in fairly dominating um, performance. Now, we do know that the um, uh, uh, her counterpart, uh, Liana uh, LeCompte, who won last week, did crash in the single track. But I just want to give a shout-out, and I'll get to this a little bit more, but Haley Batten... American, um, I believe from Utah, is one hell of a great post-race interview. And 
She did something on that Friday race interview after she won where the question kind of alluded to, oh, you won because LeCompte crashed. Okay. And Haley was able to like kind of flip it a little bit and say like pretty much she said, oh, yeah, it was a great race. That's what happens in racing. And I really just had to put the hammer down. So like it, it was kind of like, no, you're not going to take away from my yeah. my victory that I well deserved here. I loved it, mm-hmm. and she kind of like just stood up for the fact that, yeah, you know what, there was a crash, but that's what happens in racing. And I still kicked ass, and I just won this race by, you know, I think she won by like 35 seconds or whatever at a short track race. So I mean, she won by a lot, and then she backed it up on Sunday with a second place performance, mm-hmm. which to me is interesting because I thought Kate Courtney was the queen of U.S. mountain biking, former world champion. I was thinking that Kate Courtney is going to be the one that's going to get us a medal in Tokyo. We have three women's spots um, mm-hmm. going. And now suddenly I'm like, Haley Batten, oh my goodness. Like She is the medal contender if things ended today. And combine that with the fantastic interviews, I'm just going to own up <laughs> right now and I'll just, I'll just throw out Haley Batten for uh, women's uh, championship belt. Now, oh, huh. I, so the nomination huh. on the floor is a Haley Batten. Now, here's the thing, is that great post-race interviews, I'm excited. I didn't know much about her before. I've just really started getting into this mountain bike thing, so I apologize that I'm you know, not with it as much as there are other people. And one would argue that LeCompte also has come out of nowhere to take, or not kind of come out of nowhere to take the two World Cup wins in dominating fashion. But I think what Haley Batten has done to me is she's opened up my eyes that there's just like in cyclocross and just like road for American women is that we're extremely deep on the mountain bike side as well beyond just mm-hmm. Kate Courtney in the last few years. Yeah, that's true. We we are very, very deep on the on the women's side and thin on the men's side. Like, like most things. Um, I... I don't know if I can let you go three for three, Tim, like on, <laughs> on, uh, on nominations here, but I'm leaning that way. Little guy, uh, throw me a line, like help me out or, or sink with me. Cause, um, I, I, this is unprecedented three. Yeah. I don't three have nominations good... in an episode is, is wild. I don't have a good <laughs> counter for you. Um, I was trying to think of what uh, Borghini has done since we nominated her, and I can't actually remember. And I, she's probably <laughs> won something, and I'm not. Th- I'm not remembering. I just I'll look it, like a dummy. That's I'll, the kind I'll, of Tim I'll, nomination I'm used to. I'll second it. <laughs> so, awesome. So I think I think we're good. Haley Batten now takes the title. Um, yeah. We got to get her on the uh, the pod for That'd Trinity awesome. Racing. She got second place, um, even though 139 down to Leanna LeCompte, but definitely um, locked up her spot to um, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Major shout-outs to Aaron Huck, also of America, in 16th place. And it would look like Aaron Huck more than likely is going to be the third spot on the U.S. Um, into the Olympics over uh, maybe Chloe Woodruff. I'm trying to think, like, who would be the other? I don't know, but um, those would be the three. Uh, yeah. Very exciting to see. Kate Courtney had an, had an off race. I think she had a uh, flat tire um, today almost right away at the beginning. Uh, so 
she had a flat and she crashed and busted her brake lever and had to get that fixed in the pit. Thank you. So overall, then on the, the men's side, um, as I mentioned earlier, Pitcock did take the win over MVDP and then a very game Matthias Flukinger in third. So overall, fantastic race weekend. Keep it going. UCI World Cup is coming to West Virginia in September. Um, so there you go. So gentlemen, right. we have some new Slow Ride Podcast champions, Haley Batten. And Thomas Pidcock. Um, we have a uh, former champion also on the pod, Taco Vanderhorn. So with that, I'd like to th- I-, I think that's the show, and I'd like to thank all of the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to wideanglepodium.com and find out how you can support uh, the network, including checking out the shop where we have some limited edition T-shirts. We'd also like to thank Buckler Skincare for their Miracle Wap Chamois Cream and Grimper Brothers for their exclusive coffee blends available at the slowridepodcast.com slash, or sorry, wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. And with that, this is Tim in the City Beautiful. This is Matt, no longer eating gnats in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.